Hey everybody, it's Saturday night and I'm getting ready to do a podcast and then I realized that this was uh, uh, something that I needed to be doing and have meant probably uh, to do in the past and just never coordinated my mind around it. But uh, I'm going to do a podcast tonight called Life Changing Moments in the Walk of a Believer. Um, and uh, I hope you'll enjoy it. We want to welcome in all of our Facebook family and all of our um, podcast family from wherever you are around the world. We're glad to have you. We're glad to have you studying the Word of God with us. Um, contact me, if you will, at springston56 at gmail.com, mikespringstonministry.com, ffcma.org, or through Family Fellowship Chapel's direct messaging. Don't forget my book. It's available on Amazon or in your local bookstore. I surrender. And so uh, we're going to do this teaching now on life-changing moments in the walk of a believer. I know you'll enjoy it. Father, I pray that you'll minister, open our eyes that we can see in our ears, that we can hear in our heart, that we can understand what the Word of God is saying to us. And then let us be changed into the image of your dear Son as we apply it to our lives. Jesus, speak to us now. Show us what we need to do, understand, and uh, demonstrate and know. And as the Holy Ghost reveals it, we'll receive it and release it to your people. We give you praise in the lovely name of Jesus Christ, who is our High Priest, our Lord, and our Man in the Godhead. There are two kinds of life-changing moments that the believer must face and that he does face. And, and uh, the first one uh, of the life-changing moments is when truth is found and the revelation of that truth opens their eyes to the divine side of Jesus Christ. That is a glorious time, and it will in fact change your future because it will allow you to understand what revelation is and then uh, how God will apply that to your life, and it will make you hungry for more of divine truth. The second is the moment when untruth and error is seen and it's not correctly discerned. And there are reasons for this lack of discernment, but in most cases it is the, that they have put great trust in the place or in the people or in the person or in the doctrine or in the church that's providing the information. It can be your relationship to someone who is involved in that church or in that doctrine uh, that's already entered into that air. And you see there being no harm coming to them from a spiritual perspective or as you perceive it. Or it can be a false spirit that has identified your secret heart, your seeking heart, and come to see if his message can draw you in until you become entangled with it. Sometimes it is a moment where uh, the means of which they do their praise service or the place of which they do their praise service or the style of praise, and it seems so real that you enter into it and the next thing you know, you're entangled with error. 
The second moment is the most devastating moment that anybody who calls themselves a Christian can ever enter into because at that moment when your discerner is turned down because of any one or all of the scenarios, at that moment you're open to the trap. Now you've placed your spiritual future, my friends, in danger. If you find yourself relating to any of this that I've spoken even before we get into any depth in this teaching, I want you to run, don't walk away from such error. Now I'm going to mention some of those errors in a few minutes during the teaching. But run from that. If you do not, you will have to live with the consequences and the repercussions of your choice to remain there. It is irrelevant whether you feel at home in a scenario such as their praise or their Sunday school or, or whatever, their Bible group, it's irrelevant. If you are sitting under error in teaching, then you must run, don't walk. Because regardless of the excuse of which you use to remain that teaching is entrapping you and it is becoming to you a danger in your spiritual walk. Now I want you to look at me, with me, at Paul's messaging to the church at Galatia in chapter 1 beginning at verse 6. I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ He's saying you're removed and he's going to identify that in greater detail as he goes forward, which is not another. But there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel, notice that, any other gospel, Unto you, then that we, which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so I say now again, if any man preach any other gospel, unto you that you have received, that ye have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after men. For I neither received it of men, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. What exactly is Paul saying here in verse 12? It's clear and simple. He's saying, what I preached, I received from the revelation of Jesus Christ. There was no other options. There were no openings for personal preferences. There were no loopholes that allowed one to determine exactly how the gap in the loophole needed to be filled. No, sir. There was the teaching of Jesus Christ and the revelation that he provided. That was it. Now when the message that Paul, and I want you to hear this, and the apostles received that became the doctrine of the apostles, 
It was clear that the message's origin was established in the teaching of Jesus Christ. So you're going to say to me <coughs> that grace, excuse me, as Paul taught it, was not taught, but it was presented as being, according to John 1.14 and John 1.17, in Christ and coming from Jesus Christ. Jesus did not teach Christ in you the hope of glory, for Paul declared that to be the hidden mystery. Not so fast, my friend. Jesus taught in John 14 the indwelling of both he and his Father. He also taught the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So, to say that grace and that Christ didn't teach the hidden mystery, well, that's not so. Because Christ told us that the Father and the Son would dwell in you. What Paul did was express the revelation of grace. The revelation of faith and the operation of the Holy Spirit and how it would work effectively for Christian living. But his message found the revelation of the things that Jesus began either to do or to teach. Paul says, if you turn to any other gospel, and he refers to that statement on three different occasions in three verses written to the church at Galatia, the church at Galatia was wandering off somewhere into something that didn't reflect the teachings of Jesus Christ or the revelation that had come through the apostles or the revelation that had come through Paul. Now for many years the modern church has drifted away from the teachings of Jesus Christ which has resulted in not living in the doctrine of the apostles. I'm going to deal with one of those issues during this teaching. It, of course, will be the teaching concerning water baptism, the first moment that changes the life where an individual can walk off into error or where that individual can walk off into victory. Here we go. Another gospel can be taught concerning water baptism. Why is it another gospel? Because it deviates from the teaching of Jesus Christ. Therefore, it's a doctrine of men and a perversion of truth. Now, Paul spoke harshly of anything that was another gospel, didn't he? He said, if any man preach any other gospel unto you that ye have, uh, than that that ye have received, let him be accursed. Next, his statements as far-reaching as the implications of which will require another teaching. But here is what we know about what Paul sees. Anyone that attempts to redefine change or develop any gospel 
that is different than the gospel of Jesus Christ and what he began to do and what he began to teach that was established in Paul or in the doctrine of the apostles and given to Paul by revelation, that those are to be accursed. That word means banned and excommunicated. Why? Because it does not abide in divine truth, my friends. There is much that falls under the microscope of such condemnation in our church, in our church world, that is accursed in the eyes of God because it is man-made. To mention a few of which we'll address further as we continue with our teaching concerning the things that Jesus began to do and to teach that became the doctrine of the apostles that are the moments that change the lives of a believer. Well, let's look at just a few of them. There is such thing as the cessation of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit no longer is in operation. Well, the Scripture doesn't teach that. Once in grace, always in grace. The Jesus-only doctrine. Water baptism in the name of Jesus, of which we're going to deal with directly tonight. The tolerance and inclusion model based upon grace and love. The prosperity doctrine. Using music as a form of worship. And then darkening the sanctuary. So today we begin to look deeper into the apostles' doctrine. We know that their doctrine, according to Acts 1.1, was very simple. It was to continue to do and to teach what Jesus had begun to do and teach. So there are two things that we must understand before we go into the apostles' doctrine because these two things are foundational to the doctrine. Because they are the things that Jesus taught on some subjects that affected the doctrine. First is the use of the name of Jesus. Jesus taught concerning the effects of the use of that name, and he taught it in two ways. Number one, the effects of the use of that name, how it would affect prayer, as taught in John 14. Number two, the effects of the use of that name and the effect it would have with respect to the authority of the believer as taught in Mark 16. Let's look at John 14 and we'll then converge John 14 and Mark 16 as we develop this teaching. Believe thou that I am in the Father and the Father in me or else believe me for the very work's sake. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye ask anything in my name, I will do it. If ye love me, if ye love me, now watch it now, verse 15 of John 14, he said, if you love me, keep my commandments, that's going to come up again. As Jesus is teaching here in his own words, he says, if you love me, keep my commandments, and the apostles would have done absolutely nothing less than exactly as he said. Why? Because the keeping of the commandment was tied to a few extremely important statements in this passage. Let's look at them. Number one, 
believe in me that I am in the Father. This would have triggered their most intense interest in anything he said because of his being in the Father and telling them that the Father was in him. That would have been more than enough to let them know that whatever instruction followed was absolute truth. Why? Because it had a divine side. The Father is attached to this discourse. Plus, they had been witness to the truth in the works that Jesus had already completed. So, the works spoke to them for themselves. Now, he that believeth on me has my Father's truth and my truth, the divine side of both of us, to do the works that I have done and greater works than the ones you have seen because of where I'm going. So, if you identify the Father and the Son correctly, then you can complete the work that I'm doing And because I will return to my position in the Godhead, you will do even greater works than what you have seen me do. Then Jesus opens the door more widely to how the truth of the divine side of Jesus Christ and the divine side of the Father will be accessed. This will be the case for any that hear him speak now and any that hear your word speak, Jesus talking to the apostles in the future. It will be the avenue that will allow you to continue to do and to teach what I have begun to do and to teach. Ask what you ask in my name. Now, here's the insight that Jesus does not share until Mark 16. Remember he said to them, I have many things to tell you, but you're not ready for them yet in John 16, 12 through 14. Why is his name of such paramount importance? Because he would be given an exalted name, friends, and that name would be above every name. That name would be Lord, and in his capacity he would exercise complete dominion over all three worlds. In his this dominion, And from this position, he commanded the following. He commanded the Holy Spirit. He commanded the world and all the realms of the demons. He commanded the tongues that would become spiritual. He commanded what was going to happen to outside attacks, what was going to happen to inside attacks. The sickness that would come under the hand of a believer when the believer laid hands on somebody would understand his name and the dominion that was expressed therein. Due to the understanding of the believer, of this fact about his name, the believer would do signs and wonders. And the Lord, Mark says, would work with them. He would do so from his position at the right hand of God. Notice that he did not say in verse 13, the Father would do the works, or the Father would do the greater works. He said he would do it, and the Father would be glorified, because he was back in the position as the man in the Godhead bodily. So his name was used by the one who believed in his position of being in the Father, and the Father being in him, would work 
because it would resonate the truth of the divine side of Jesus Christ. It would resonate his complete dominion over heaven, earth, and hell. Why is that important to us? Because it is the first reason that he is a part of the Godhead. He entered into a body so that he could have dominion. Remember the snake? Snake entered into the body and deceived Adam and Eve. God's creation fell because the snake spoke. What fell? The dominion that God had promised and given man in Genesis 1. That dominion had to be purchased by the means of a legal sacrifice. It had to be completed through each of the steps that led Jesus back to his position from the foundation of the world. Once completed, the man in the Godhead bodily had returned dominion back into the hands of the Creator. So the use of his name meant the exercise of complete dominion. That dominion in Mark's writing is exposed in the complete dominion over hell by the ability to cast down demons, the ability to have dominion over earth and heaven as one speaks in tongues, the ability to source dominion into the life of a believer by protecting them from outside attacks that have a demonic influence, the ability to produce dominion over the inner spirit and the inner organs of a person, then the ability to have transferred dominion that allows a believer to transfer the name of Jesus Christ to one who was sick in spirit, soul, or body. This act is a large one as we move forward. In this study of the Apostles' Doctrine, because all we have related to this work has come in to the work of the healing of the body. That's all we've related the name of Jesus to. But now we can see how this transfer is relatable to anything for which the name of Jesus is used that combats the spiritual forces of darkness. Then Jesus say, says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Do what I say, like I say, and it will result in works like I do. But with this deeper understanding that greater works will be made available to you, they will be the result because there will be many more of you doing those original works, great stuff. Now we have come to understand that the transfer of the name of Jesus caused Jesus to do the things of which his name is now applied. We now understand why. It's because his name represented the dominion of power and authority in all three worlds. So when we see the use of Jesus' name, we must maintain the focus of the use of that name with respect to what Jesus taught. We know that the apostles would not have devised their own use of the name for a lot of reasons. Let's look at a few. It would have been an act of disobedience to the teaching of Jesus. It would not have continued to do the works the way in which Jesus said for them to be done. If they did so in any other way, the Father would not have been glorified in the Son. It would have shown Jesus that they did not love him and respect his teaching. It would have shown their unbelief concerning who he was, where he was from, and what he had been connected to all along 
it would have shown a disconnect from him as being Lord. It would have shown a disconnect from Jesus as the one who was instructing them through the Holy Spirit. Now our world has run to this disconnect, my friends. We have run to this desire to disconnect from truth. Now watch this. It would have limited Jesus praying the Father for them. Do you think they would have ever risked any of that? Listen to the last. It would have negated their relationship to maintain their ability to maintain the true witness of Jesus Christ because they would have been being disobedient to his direct command. The result would have been a completely new message. Think of that. That was way outside of the love of which Jesus declared would make them loved of the Father and loved of him. It would have destroyed the means of manifestation of how he had told them. If you love me, keep my commandments. My Father will love you and I will love you and I will manifest myself to you. So we know, we have to understand from Scripture that anything that is used outside of the direct things that Jesus began to do and to teach or the things that he specifically stated would not and could not have been done by the apostles and would not have been included into the apostles' doctrine. Why? Because that would have severed their ability to maintain the relationship that had come to them in Jesus Christ because their love would have failed. Now when we know that none of these has legitimately happened because we read further what happened in Mark 16 and how in Mark 16 the activities of the apostles were verified so they had to be operating exactly as Jesus told them. Listen, so then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following amen. Do you see it? The Lord who has received that exalted name whereby he has dominion over all three worlds is working with them and he is confirming his word with signs following. Well, all I can say is so be it. This has to be so. Because by concluding with amen, Mark is verifying that the apostles did all that they did exactly as Jesus taught them to do. Amen. So the apostle didn't run off and misuse the name of Jesus. They didn't go off and determine that there was no father either. They went forward and did exactly, precisely, without question, what he said to be done. Now, there is one more fact concerning what Jesus told the disciples that they were charged to do. And I'm up at the end of my 30 minutes on this first session. So I'm going to start up there in my next session. I hope I've made it abundantly clear to you 
that whenever we read and say that he said be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, there had to be another meaning because it doesn't reconcile itself to what Jesus taught in Matthew 28. And I hope I have substantiated, solidified in your mind that there would have been absolutely no way that any apostle would have allowed Peter to stand and preach something that was in conflict to the teaching of Jesus. But you notice that all the apostles were there. So what we are building our doctrine on, in some cases concerning water baptism, well, my friend, it is out of context because it was not what Jesus taught. Now we can run off into another gospel if we choose. We can run off into another worship arena and environment if we choose. We can do all kinds of stuff. But we are entangling ourselves in error. Why? Because as we have described, the apostles would have never spoken contrary to the words of Jesus. God, I pray that you'll open our eyes that we can see and our ears that we can hear so that truth can be exposed. The divine side can be exposed. We'll give you praise and honor and glory for all of it in the lovely name of Jesus Christ, who is our high priest, our Lord, and our man in the Godhead. Amen and amen. My friends, uh, I appreciate all those of you that have come on tonight. I see Mr. Juan Garcia and uh, I saw Christine, I, uh, 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 Joey, I see you, Tony, I see you, and there were more that are not on my camera right now, but I appreciate every one of you coming in tonight. Why? Because there are going to be moments that are going to change the believer's life. That moment can be a moment of principled revelation that brings the glory of God, or it can be a moment of error, where we're drawn away, often by our own lusts, yeah, drawn away by our lusts for things, for ways of worship, for shouting, for jumping up and down, for all of the foolishness that the world is involved in right now. But the truth is, the truth is, we're not after another gospel. We're after the gospel. And we're looking to continue to do and to teach what Jesus said. Well, may God bless you, my Facebook friends. I may come back in another few minutes and do a, do a second part of this uh, because I want to get uh, into the depth of this. And so may God bless you and we'll look forward to talking with you again. Uh, friends of ours on podcast, may God bless you richly as we look at how life's uh, changes happen in our spiritual lives, in a moment. May God richly bless you is my prayer until we speak again. Find Him as Jesus, the Lord, and you'll find Him there as the mediator of a covenant, as the authority and the power over all worlds. Find Him as the man in the Godhead bodily, and there you'll find Him as the man who will speak, lead you, and guide you, and show you great and mighty things that are to come. God bless you.